Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You climb the top rope like old people. F- you know that, Bam Bam. Right on my hoover. Uh-huh, yuckety-yuck, McMannequin. The British Bulldog is part of the new generation. You may all bow before D. Mabel. Here it comes, here comes the Jackknife. On lives the new generation and the World Wrestling Federation. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads Get ready for 10 miles of chain and 10 tons of solid steel designed to punish the human body. The Elimination Chamber, the house of mass destruction. We are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean, where the WWE is about to give away a house of mass distraction. And who be we? I be Fake Jordy, radio presenter without portfolio. Former Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion, Tom Campbell. I am alongside the bear in the big blue bar cage. He is the head pen of Cultaholic. He does not need a pencil, for he gets it right every single gosh darn time. He is a Justin Henry, and he is from off of that America. What's so distracting about that house? Uh, Stephanie Wines in it. <laughs> I am that, I'm blinded by her grace. That's very distracting. And Todd Pettengill dancing on the on the countertop, which she does in this week's episode <laughs> of Raw. I'm, I'm pretty sure that lowered the resale value. <laughs> I do believe that the housing market in the area has plummeted since uh, Todd Pettengill did that. You should tear it down and build a slum. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to that on this week's episode of Monday Night Raw in just a bit. Bit of show admin before we get started. Uh, I am off as of now. By the time you hear my voice, I am away. I have I've spirited away. Uh, I'm, I'm away from the from the world of wrestling for two weeks. So I'm off Cultaholic for two weeks. We are back after this in two weeks' time. And we are back with a bang. I'm super excited about this because in two weeks' time, when the classic Raw review returns, uh, we will be doing a watch-along presentation of WWF In Your House 1. But we won't be alone, will we, Justin Henry? No, because for the first time ever on the Cultaholic Classic Anything watch-along, we will be joined by... Mr. War Stories and Mr. Behind the Match himself, our good, my friend and yours, Sam Driver. 
Sam Flippin' Driver is going to be doing the watch along with us. And I found out something amazing just before we hit record on this year episode of the classic Raw Review. Like, mm. Justin Henry, phenomenal writer. Sam Driver, phenomenal uh, writer, recorder, radio. You're both basically incredible wrestling brains. Oh, stop. You are! Jesus H. Christ, I, 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 I bow to your glory, both of oh. you. You really are. Uh, I'm just tagging along. And... Uh, you guys have put together like the behind the match videos and the war stories videos that we do on the YouTube channel, some real crown jewels in what we do. And uh, I, and I, when I mentioned to you, you know, when we did some, ad, I said, Sam driver is going to be joining us uh, for in your house. One, you revealed that you've never actually spoken to Sam driver in, in person. Have you? Um, no, we just message on the group workspace chat. And we, 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 we're talking textually, but not, in uh not in a verbal capacity no i'm really excited then because like you guys do so much good stuff together to the, the fact that mm. you've never you've never met in bunny rabbit ears properly <laughs> we're gonna make that happen in two weeks time on the raw rev- on the on the classic in your house one watch along i'm excited mate oh i look forward to bonding over adam bomb versus mabel <laughs> that's all we can do it's all we can do. We're gonna. Well, this is the this episode of Raw, the final episode of Raw before we get to in your house one. And Justin Henry is gonna talk us through the rigors of this week's episode. Before we do, is, is, well, first, is it fair to call it the Go House Show? Hey, I never thought of that. Actually, it is. It is the Go House Show. <laughs> it's like a house show, but not. Um, next week's quite. May as well hey, have been. Do you know what? Wait, that does say something for WWF in this period that they're putting a house show on pay per view. <laughs> literally, it's quite yeah. literally a house show. It draws uh, a decent house too. Yeah, well, I'm intrigued to see what it does <laughs> because oh it's, my, it's it's going to be a wild time. <laughs> the first in your house, uh, well, which we'll talk about as we go through this, and Justin will give us uh, the breakdown of this week's episode of Raw. But just to give you a little painting of the the canvas of wrestling in this particular week of our lord uh actually first of all justin where and when are we well this show is broadcast on monday may 8 1995 it was taped at the civic auditorium in omaha nebraska two weeks earlier okay so it was in this week in wrestling uh that there's a whole bunch of issues in wcw you're kidding me <laughs> i know right uh do you know uh justin why the renegade was a talking point this week in wcw actually it's funny you bring that up because there may be a future call to hog feature that deals with well this scenario in addition to a wider ranging scenario um well there's two reasons why renegade was uh an issue at this point one was possible trademark infringement over the character since it is clearly the mr pib version of the ultimate warrior yeah, that's that's actually exactly what what's going on this week in wrestling. So, from the from the Observer, WCW received a cease and desist order from Titan Sports claiming the character Renegade was a trademark infringement on their own developed character of the Ultimate Warrior. Very much as Justin says, a Mister Pib of the Ultimate Warrior. That's an open shut case, says Dave. The timing of it was curious, since the same case could be made about Hunter Hearst Helmsley being nearly completely lifted from WCW's character of Lord Stephen Regal. That's that's a bit more of a stretch, I think. Mm. I mean, they wouldn't be the first aristocratic characters in wrestling, whereas Renegade is very clearly 
you know, aping everything that Warrior did from similar music to face paint to shaking the ropes to just being a maniac in the ring to not being very coordinated. Well, I mean, you can't really rip that off. That's just a natural state. They really tried with him. They really tried with Renegade. So following the uh, the, the <clears throat> cease and desist, uh, WCW uh, were told, uh, well, Renegade was told by WCW he could no longer shake the ropes. Uh, he could no longer wear tassels. And there were some clothing adjustments to make him dissimilar from the Ultimate Warrior. They put a lot of effort into getting uh, Renegade right this week. Uh, the Disney tapings, they he was being heavily tutored by Randy Savage, Jimmy Hart, and Hulk Hogan. A lot of time with those guys. Choreographing 30-second squash matches uh, to the nth degree. And uh, this was it was quite a tough... There was, there was, they were basically going through all the stuff he was going to be doing during the tapings was, was Hart, Hogan, and Savage. And even these 30-second choreographed squashes were, were difficult to record. Not only that, but uh, he also had an interview to do hyping a match forthcoming with Arn Anderson. And they, according to Dave Meltzer, it was a really simple pre-rec interview that they recorded 20 odd times in order to get it right. And eventually they said, look, Renegade, don't say all that stuff. We said, just say, I want the belt and grunt. And that was all they got out of him. Um, Up and at them. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> it's pretty much that. John, <laughs> I want, I want, re I want radioactive Renegade. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, it got well. The, the the week didn't end there for the Renegade. Bless him. God bless this. God bless him. He's been thrown into this character, and he was told be Ultimate Warrior. And then he's been told, "What are you doing, you idiot? Stop being Ultimate Warrior." And now he's now he's got like Hogan and Hart and Savage trying to teach him basics really quickly, and it's just not sticking. He's having a horrible time in promo time in promo world, and he was set to face Steve Austin as part of these tapings. Do you know what happens here, Justin? Austin told him to F off and walked out. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so it was meant, we were meant to see Austin pinned by Renegade during the tapings. Uh, Flair arrived in Disney on Saturday. He said he and Arn Anderson had a meeting with Steve Austin to say, you're going to be putting over the Renegade. And Austin was like, no, I'm not. And he basically refused, despite the fact that Flair... Flair sat. Flair and Anderson sat with him. Flair and Arn Anderson sat with him. Arn Anderson said, "Hey, look, I'm losing to him in a couple of weeks. It'll be fine." Flair run off a list of all the people that he's jobbed to, and Austin was just like, "Nah, you, you do, you lot. I'm off." And he left Disney, leaving Tex Slazenger, aka Phineas, uh, Phineas Godwin, mm -hmm, indeed, uh, to to take his place in a match that was described by Dave Meltzer as totally unairable. It went two minutes. And by which point, veterans who were watching backstage were laughing their heads off as Renegade just struggled through what should have been a very basic squash match. And it was a, a tough old time. Dave says at press time, nobody knew exactly what Austin's future was with the company. Although he had not quit nor been fired, he met with Eric Bischoff on Monday, seemed to end up with everything cleared up. So Austin's still sticking around. Uh, well, that's a tough week for our boy Renegade, isn't it? Well, two points of two points of issue here. One, Flair had to fly in from North Korea from um, <clears throat> collision in Korea in, in, in order to handle the situation. And which you, and which would you imagine was more taxing on you mentally, 
being over in a country where you're not sure what's going to happen next or having to deal having to ask Austin to put Renegade over. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> I mean, I reckon he's probably quite grateful for Austin kicking off because I could almost imagine <laughs> Flair being over there in Korea and them going, Flair, you got to come back because uh, Austin's Austin doesn't want a job. Well, I better go back and sort that, lads. Sorry, I have to leave. More duty calls to get away. But I think probably dealing with Austin is probably a bit more of an explosive time in Korea. And the other thing is, this situation gives allows us to um, create a trivia question that goes, "What do Renegade and Brock Lesnar have in common?" Nice, nice. Steve Austin refused to face them both. Here's the job, the. <laughs> they both one, led to Austin walking out of a company. One because there was no storyline for for, for for theoretical money controlling match, and the other because it was renegade. <laughs> I love that. That's that's an excellent. That's an excellent. That's an excellent little bit. Um, mm-hmm. There's a guy on the way into WCW who is uh, picked up for big stardom. Hmm? I said, hopefully, it's an exterminator. Well, sadly, he kind of is. Um, we are hearing from Dave Meltzer this week in the Wrestling Observer that Paul White may be unveiled as soon as Slambury 95. He is, quote, being groomed as the new Andre the Giant. Do you remember this T-shirt, Hulk? Throws shirts <laughs> at Hulk on the beach. <clears throat> Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> <laughs> Who do we have to thank for the career of the big show, Justin? Well, who... I believe Hogan discovered him at a charity event. And if I recall, the person holding the charity event was a certain former American child star known for his impish looks and his red hair. Later became a radio personality by the name of Danny Bonaducci. Danny Bonaducci is the right answer. So after yeah. school, White worked... Partridge. <laughs> oh, it's funny, isn't it? I love this so much. After he after school, after he left school, White worked various jobs. He was a bouncer for a bit. He was a bounty hunter for a bit, Justin. I, I wouldn't want him knocking my front door down. <laughs> exactly. Could you imagine him turning up? You oh Christ, you're on the run. I'm gonna send Big Show after you. I'll just take me in. I mean, we made fun of Big Show a lot for his many turns and his poor booking and such, and for his perceived you know lack of endurance and cardio. But it if you woke up at 3.30 in the morning and saw him standing over your bed with his fist clenched, I'm pretty sure you'd mess yourself. Just a little bit. Jeez. <laughs> he, he actually met Danny Bonaducci doing a, a, a singing, an amateur singing contest through a karaoke company he worked for. Uh, this is when Bonaducci was doing morning radio. And Bonaducci liked him, invited him to a charity event, and they went, hey, hey, Paul, here's Hulk Hogan. And the rest is history. Oh, it's, Hogan loves big opponents and... All told, for as, for as much criticism as he gets, Paul White was an excellent giant. Not just in, not just in name, but in but in uh, in category. Team player does what you ask of him. Sometimes he, I mean, over the years they haven't really protected him as much as they should have. Should have been years before he got knocked off his feet. They should treat him like Andre to a certain extent, but they just, I guess, it was too athletic not to. And I will say, the best choke slam ever, the diving version he did as the giant. Oh, where he went to the yeah. mat with you. I Jeez. love that version. Him, it just that defied gravity almost. Like a lad that big holding you up that high and bringing you that just beastly fast down. Oh god! Do you remember the one he did on the Undertaker <laughs> through the ring? Oh yeah. Whew. When when Hornswoggle pulled the slat out. 
Did he? No, I'm just saying. Uh, he might have done. That darn hornswoggle. Could start that rumour. Uh, so, uh, Paul White working with Hulk Hogan. I'll tell you who isn't working with Hulk Hogan this week. Germany! The entire country! As what? the Hulkamania German tour that was scheduled to start on the 24th of May has been cancelled. What? I know. What are you going to do? Uh, apparently, the promoters in Germany were having a whole bunch of problems with WCW. Wanted to restructure the deal so WCW got less money. Uh, because of the high guarantee that Hogan gets, WCW under the new deal proposed he would the under new deal proposed would lose money doing the tour. So they just went fine, Germany, Germany, you're not getting any Hulk Hogan. And I see that's not true. What actually happened was David Hasselhoff did an interview where he where he said the Hulk Hogan is lame, and 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 Germany decided, you know what, we can't go against them, our savior here. Oh, so no. his 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 word is bond. So. He is he is a national treasure there, isn't he? Singing on, uh, singing on the wall, singing looking for freedom. Which again proves my theory. Germans love David Hasselhoff. <laughs> they do. I don't what is the appeal there? Like I get it. Like the Hoff's ace. The Hoff is I mean, ace. That's like asking me like why is God important? <laughs> <laughs> it's David that's, Hasselhoff, man. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> Can't stage David Hasselhoff. It is. That is that is very much the case. Um, bit more news on the WCW front before we move on. Uh, they've just wrapped their quarterly Disney World tapings. And according to Dave Meltzer, they're looking to change the model. It says here in The Observer, they cost a quarter of a million a time. And WCW are currently considering a new schedule that's not just cheaper, but allows them to book a little bit more on the fly. Wonder what that could be. Well, you got... You have to understand, we have situations in, in these two years' worth of tapings where we've had negative day title reigns from the order in which things were taped. It's <laughs> true. Where wrestlers lose the belts before they actually win them. <laughs> and, and it's also the thing as well, because you're, you're recording these bulks in, in like quarters. So, like so much change. Like we see it, we see it in today's wrestling with Impact. And, and, and Impact have this system that when it works, it's great. But when it doesn't, it's a problem. Well, there was a time in 93 where, where Paul Roma and Arn Anderson were supposed to win the belts from the Hollywood Blondes, and they were filming all these vignettes, you know, where they're like, we beat the Blondes, we beat Austin, we beat Pillman. Then Pillman got hurt, so Regal had to fill in for him in a tag title match, <laughs> in which they changed hands. So the promos were kind of uh, half useless. It's a messy, messy situation. It really is. It really is. But uh, something new on the horizon, possibly, uh, for WCW going forward. Uh, possibly yeah. something new for WWF as well. According to trade journals, Fox is considering a one-hour show on Sundays for WWF after the NFL football season finishes. Also being considered is supposedly a worked karate show using wrestling gimmicks like person, less wrestling gimmick-like personalities. Well, what would have been called uh, uh, ratings barely above ground? <laughs> Shite club. <laughs> Rule number one, don't talk about Shite club. That's fine. We, we don't intend to. Bella snore. <laughs> MMA. <laughs> I got, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, I got it. Strike farce. <laughs> That's the winner. That's the winner. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. <laughs> we have a winner. I I like the idea of this. Now, 
wasn't there a show that was akin to this, which was like, weren't they, wasn't there some sort of wrestling show, like a karate, a, a fixed karate show that WWF ended up doing? I don't believe so. I, I remembered syndication like 20 something years ago. There was like a, like world masters of martial arts, like, like kids show that had like, like stage fights on the weekends, but it had like storylines in between fights and stuff. Yes. Something along those lines. The WMA, the WMAC masters. Was that the one? That's what it was. You see, of course, I also remember like crap, like, um, battle dome. Which WCW got involved with at one point? Oh, I don't remember Battle Dome. Was Battle Dome? Was it? What was? What was it called? It was like two thousand. It, it was Battle Dome. Yeah, it was like it was like American Gladiators, but it had Terry Crews on it, and it had storylines because it was trying to capitalize on Attitude Era wrestling. Okay, I don't remember that one. I wish I did. And WCW did an angle with them in two thousand that. Didn't gain much traction. Well, the more you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's well. We'll keep an eye on that. I mean, we may that may probably be our timeline. We do not know. I mean, you and Matthew are in two thousand. Maybe you can give that a gander. We certainly will. The Cultic Classic Smackdown review drops on Tuesdays. Not for mm-hmm. the next two weeks though, because I'm off. Uh, but then, <laughs> but then it's back to normal. Anyway, that's some of the the headlines from this week in wrestling. Let's go to Justin Henry to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Well, as stated, this is the Go House show for In Your House. <laughs> we begin with the recap of Sid versus Razor from last week, which never happened because Sid dove through the pyro to attack Razor Ramon in what may have been Sid's most badass moment ever. We, we learned that Sid... I mean, I know he's facing Diesel on Sunday, but Vince refers to him as the number one contender. Like, he had to beat guys to become the number one contender. Which, see, this is why Tony Khan instituted a sports system, even though it's not always accurate. At least they're trying to justify rankings and stuff. Says so number one contender because he's tall, pal, and he's going to flake out soon, so we might as well get the most out of him while we can. There's never been any wild consistency with this sort of thing, has there? Ever. No. I don't think we'll ever see. I, I like I like when a company makes the effort to try and establish like a ranking system. Like TNA did the. I like TNA's like top ten thing they did. That WWE was we had the same thing. Yeah, I like that. WWE tried it with a with a power twenty five, and they just get bored and it sucks because there's so oh. much fun to be had when you've got that sort of because then it makes even exhibition matches seem important when you go there's two guys here fighting for the number two position like even that feels important then well well it does but stories always want to take precedent over rankings mm. so it's um you know people aren't yeah people fighting over like you know randy savage's hat in 1993s and not really fighting for like if, if Reba wins he's number six contender or whatever it's just it, it, it's just their viewpoint on what's more important than, you know, establishing contenders is telling mm. stories, pal. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. There is that. Yeah, I guess you don't want, you don't want, you walk the line where you don't want to get bogged down in admin and stats for stuff. You want to let stuff be a bit more free flow, but I don't mind there being a little bit of structure to like divisions, you know? Of course, it's, it's kind of hard to have today when Allegedly, the boss doesn't show up till six o'clock on taping day and rewrites everything at the last minute. That's true. 
That's so. actually true. Yeah, it just makes it difficult. But hey, but hey, it's it is what it is. Sid's Sid's top boy. <laughs> we learned that as a result of, of the of the power bombs that Razor sustained last week, he has been, and this is this is more than the narration, traumatized. <laughs> now, sure, I'm sure. I'm sure getting Ganso bombed by Sid is uh, it's a bit traumatic. I'm not saying it's not, but usually trauma is – there is physical trauma, certainly. But trauma is more reserved for, uh, like, emotional. Like, like Razor's now shell-shocked from having – from Sid kicking his ass. Mm. And, and, and is now, like, hiding away for a bit while he regains his bearings. Yeah, I think the word traumatized is somewhat oversold. How about annihilated? Oh, annihilated is a good word. Obliterated. Destroyed. Decimated. Made to feel sad. <laughs> He's, Razor has been miffed. <laughs> He's just been throwing out various adjectives. He's been adjudicated. He's been domesticated. We hit the intro. We get a ringside with Vincent Lawler. Lawler talks about his challenge to Brett, which has now been accepted for in your house. Lawler claims that Brett insulted his family for two years. That's kind of funny, actually. There's a lot of they 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 they, they say there's a lot of long-term storytelling in this episode. The, the Lawler comment, but oh, for two years this has gone on. In our opening match, we get a throwback for 12 months. And, and don't mm-hmm. be mistaken, this isn't long-term storytelling. This is this is stumbling into some long-term storytelling. <laughs> this is falling in Mr. Magoo-like fashion into a uh, continuity. Yes. Ah, we haven't paid this off yet, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, Tom? forgot how to drink for a second then <laughs> this is the joy of the joy of doing this on zoom <laughs> that i took a little sip of my drink and sometimes if i'm if if i'm if i'm talking i'll forget how to drink and just then i forgot how to drink <laughs> and also and also just in watching this on the on the zoom every so often you might have been too shy to say anything and i appreciate that every so often you'll see me doing this and what i'm and what i'm doing you can't see because this is a podcast i'm rigorously shaking my wrist from left to right uh, this isn't a nervous uh, tick or a twinge. This isn't anything medically wrong. Basically, I'm trying to get like a full week of hitting all my Fitbit targets of 250 steps an hour. However, when I sit down with Justin Henry for an hour, I miss that hour of moving. Hence why sometimes I will <laughs> rapidly shake my wrist <laughs> to trick my Fitbit into, the, into thinking I'm moving. It's, it's part of my master plan to make Tom flabby. <laughs> For one hour, I just sit here and eat and eat and eat cake batter. <laughs> this is like the Frost Nixon of fitness. <laughs> Frost fix Fitson. Frost Frosting. Frosting Nixon. Yes. <laughs> I got there. I got there. I got there. I got there. That one counts. That's but counts as my joke. Hang on. Oh, there we go. Done now. 250 steps. Thank you, Fitbit. <laughs> While we we're talking about you shaking your wrist, we were um <laughs> I was looking at my notes and I got excited because I thought it said Brett versus Owen. Now it also says Bart versus Owen. Oh. <laughs> so after Lawler so Which is which is which is the second best Simpsons game behind Bart versus the Space Mutants. <laughs> yes. yes, it's um and Bart enters the King of the Ring tournament and while 
while a doddering old football announcer asks how much he weighs. <laughs> Does he get in there with the Batman hood and the cape and things? <laughs> what can Art have done? Have done Simpsons wrestling? <laughs> it would have been a. It would have been the only good thing about Simpsons wrestling. Oh. Now does a Scotsman wrestle with all that stuff on? <laughs> he runs the uh, quickie bot. <laughs> he runs the shop. Is <laughs> <laughs> he the groundskeeper? Is he meant to do that? Homer comes out. Who's this guy? How much does this guy weigh? <laughs> so we got Bart versus Owen tonight. Bart Gunn versus Owen Hart to set up next week's tag team title match. Hakushi will be in action. And... My favorite thing in the entire world, Sid is going to do an interview. Yay. And I think the questions you're going to ask about the interview are the same questions that I'm going to ask about that interview. Because, <laughs> well, we'll get there. But first, <laughs> it's non-title action as Jeff Jarrett, the once again the Intercontinental Champion, takes on Doink the Clown. Jarrett has the IC title back. He beat Bob Holly in the a Baggins match the day before in the action zone. The pinfall was an awkward corner sunset flip counter that took forever to pull off, and Bob Holly succumbed to that. And we got a nice replay showing us of just how um, wonky it looked. It was a it wasn't the best looking one. We have got an update on Bob's mate this week. One two, uh, two three kid. Sean, yes, the one two three kid, Sean Waltman. The latest updates is Dave is that it's pretty much a certainty he'll be returning to wrestling, although there's no exact timetable as to when. Waltman's injuries include a bulging disc, a herniated disc, and a pinched nerve, which still leaves him his arm feeling numb. Although he's been told by doctors in Omaha that he that first treated him that his career was over, later doctors have told him that his career isn't even in jeopardy, although they gave him to timetable as to when he can return. The injuries were more of a result of constant trauma of bumps on his neck rather than stemming from one specific incident because there was some concern that it was um, a match with Hakushi that might have done the damage. But to be honest with you, it sounds like he's just it's been coming a long, long time. And uh, mm. a series of, of knocks has got us to where we are now. So, hey, Waltman, we wish you were here. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you. We'll see you back in a bit, buddy. Yeah. I do love the disparity in in diagnoses. Like he was then taken to a better hospital where he was upgraded to alive. Seeing Bob Holly here reminds me that as we record this, it's less than twenty four hours since the day two and a five hundred took place. It ended at midnight after a six hour weather delay. They raced six for thirty. Hours. They raced for 30 minutes. There was a crash that took out 12 cars. And then it started raining. <laughs> so everybody had to pull in. They had to drive the track, wait, or, or wait for the rain to stop. They had to drive the track. Around 10 o'clock at, at night, it resumed. And then finally it ended. Well done, Bob, mate. You got it done in the end. I'm proud of you. Yes, well, unfortunately, I'm like Bob Holly was in this race. Huh. Look at me being literal, Dave. Well, I, I don't think Bob Holly was racing in this anymore. <laughs> I don't think he's actually been in the NASCAR race officially. Um, Lift, damn it, literal Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what are you what are you doing with that nest? Um, I'm just standing next to it. Well, what what were you thinking of doing? Well, um, you told me not to count the chickens before they'd hatched, so I'm just I'm waiting until. <laughs> no, damn it, literal Dave. Not what I said. Uh, you see, you see those two birds over there. Dave, put that stone down. 
But, uh, but like, you said uh, that's what we were gonna. No, Dave. <laughs> I was watching Daytona and I saw at least eighty cars getting a wreck. Well, it was, <laughs> you have eighty cars in a race. The max is forty-four for Daytona, Brian. <laughs> um, Dave, what are you doing with that bathtub? And have you seen my son? Ah, <laughs> uh, you told me to throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, I didn't, Dave. That's three children you've killed. <laughs> Literal Dave! Even four of this was Tokyo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that was a bit morbid. Speaking of morbid, back to Doink. In fact, he still exists in 1995. Uh, uh, we, we do indeed get the footage from one year earlier of Jarrett dresses doink humiliating story. him on episode of Superstars back when there was bigger crowds this is like a packed arena and, it's quite and, sad to look at isn't it it's quite sad to look at it's been Just a how year busy it was then though I know, it's been a year <laughs> talk about a downturn so the story of this match is that Rody keeps trying to interfere, trying to trip Doink. Doink keeps outsmarting him because uh, apparently, the, apparently the road dog is not as smart as a clown. Lola <laughs> gets in a bad little women joke about Dink's favorite book. Yeah, because he's short. He does a couple of short jokes that Vince no-sells during commentary. Probably because he doesn't get them. <laughs> Vince is too busy trying to run a goddamn show. <laughs> to, to listen to what the other person has to say. Oh well, in any event, that that's a that's a go-to Vince line. Uh, whenever he needs to buy himself some time, because the conversation's ended, he didn't hear what the other person said. You'll hear Vince go, "Oh well, in any event, <laughs> that's Vince going. I wasn't listening to what you were saying, but I now have to pick up the commentary baton." <laughs> I can't understand why Vince hates so many indie guys. I mean, they don't sell either. Oh well, in any event. <laughs> Diving her Carvana to the from the top of the floor. In any event, <laughs> we gotta go to a break. Speaking of break, we do hit one out of a snapmare, mm. which is at least it's at least realistic. I mean, a break could happen at any time. It's really like as roll rolls on after a dive to the outside, come back. Jared's working Doink's leg. Doink goes for an Enzugiri. I never thought I'd say that sentence ever. Doesn't hit it, but he still he tried. We learned that Bob Backlund has a big announcement for next week. Oh boy, I know what that is. Uh, I don't think I do. It's if you if, if you put the pieces together and, re- and remember what he was doing in this time frame. It oh, all makes sense. yes, yeah. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that now next I'm time. I'm kind of excited now. It's during this match that Vince gives a shout out to his friend Dick Ebersole. On acquiring Joe Montana as as an analyst for N- N- for the NFL and NBC, of course. Vince never how saw. big a get was this, Justin? As a, as a man who is a fan of the footing ball in the states, how big a get was this? Hardly any. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and Joe Montana had the charisma of a of a plane crash survivor. Oh my god! <laughs> I believe that was the great Bill Simmons, of, formerly of ESPN, who, comp- who said, like, at the end of every segment on the pregame show, they, you expect. It was Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman from Weekend at Bernie's to come in and we- come in and wheel him off the set because he had he was uh, he was a void of charisma. He was he wasn't known for his personality. He was just a great quarterback. Not every great player is a good TV guy. 
it just it's the truth it just yeah 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 it's it's that thing where whilst it's there was this push and there's always been this push to get like real sports people in to play the role of sports journalists and somebody put something on twitter and it was really quite profound because people were coming down on a lot of sports journalists for 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 some things and they said well the thing is they're not sports journalists they're 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 sports personalities who are doing a journalist role like a sports journalist will be able to handle these things in a very in a more nimble more correct way they're not trained journalists stop calling sports personalities in front of a tv in front of a, a, a camera stop calling them sports journalists because they're not they're sports personalities hosting an event well you need and we still need to have ex-players there for analysis and, and for context mm. but some just do it better than others i mean john madden was one of the all-time best at it a former coach someone could someone that could break stuff down for the layman and do it in a way that was accessible and friendly and today you have Tony Romo on CBS, the former Cowboys quarterback, who's just so excitable and so energetic and so, so hip to everything, so smart to like, like he could take anything and just and just break it down for you in like like five seconds, and his energy is infectious. Joe Montana was the greatest quarterback of all time until Tom Brady's current run. Yeah, so yeah, in theory he's a big get, but then you see him on TV and he's just. Well, I think that what you, what we're looking for out of out, out of uh, you know Cunningham is you know whether or not you know he drops back the pass. It's like no, it's like get him off TV. It didn't it's, work. It's a bit hit that they're hit me, and it's the same in wrestling when you've got um, wrestling people doing the role of commentators. It's incredibly hit and miss. I don't know how much of Impact Wrestling you've seen lately. A little bit. Um, I I have to say I've been enjoying the stuff they've like the fact they've continued to 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 put out engaging weekly content during the pandemic and do it in a safe and secure way mad love for them they've developed new characters they've created really interesting stories in really weird circumstances um they've recently changed up the commentary team mm -hmm. it's matt striker and delo brown on commentary yes. i am buying it no. i'm not a fan i i don't feel that they're connected to the product and I don't feel that they're doing the product any justice because as a long-term impact watcher, like I'm picking up on beats in matches that the commentators aren't. And you can argue that, okay, well, they're new. They don't know this stuff yet, but it's your job to tell that story and know that story. You can't just go, well, I've not done this before. It's just, you do your due diligence. Well, um, Dilo's been an agent there for a bit now, so he would have, have have a little more knowledge of what's going on. But I don't get that from him, which is the issue. I hear them, I hear them hitting a lot of cliches and 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 sort of commentary liners, but mm -hmm. I don't feel that connection to the product, and that's a massive turnoff for me. They should replace Dilo with a uh, Sharker's best partner, Vampiro. <laughs> Play my music. Play my music. <laughs> The music will help the people understand that he is entering the conflict. Actually, you know what? I like, and, and I think Matt, I, I think Matt can do better, and I'm hoping that he does do better on Impact. Like, I, I rate him that night at AAA. Matt Striker was a, was a bloody MVP. Swear to God, like he had that to deal with, and he somehow managed to ebb and flow it and weave it around and and still make it work with vampiro and it's absolute dirt worst and most hilarious matt, matt striker, striker 
was just stunning that night. That's working with Sandra Bullock driving the bus. He really was. <laughs> he really was. But there's no, but there, there isn't that edit, there isn't that fear this time round. But I just, I want them to be better. I want them to be great. I want them to be a solid team. But at the moment, I just, oh, not feeling it from them. I'm not feeling well, it from them. Well, speaking of impact relics, back to Jarrett. <laughs> Yay! Dwink gets a DDT. Dink bites Jarrett's ass, which is somehow legal. We, we get a convoluted spot here where Dwink puts the stump puller on Jarrett, but the referee is distracted by Dink. So the roadie runs in and chop blocks Doink. Doink kind of falls in an odd way off of that. Jarrett hooks the figure four. And Vince, when Jarrett has his move hooked, this is his finisher, mind you. Mm. Vince exclaims that Doink won't give up. He's a fighter. Doink? This is a Steve Blackman here. <laughs> and also, Doink won't give up. Doink gives up. <laughs> yes. He then submitted, and then... <laughs> Well, yeah, he gave up. Jared got a tainted win, but you know what? It was actually a decent match. <laughs> it was it was good, actually. It was, and um, um, I don't know whether we mentioned. I don't think we mentioned it, but Doink busting out a Stone Cold Stunner. He did. I must mm-hmm. that part. As the roadie was on the apron, Doink busts out oh. a Stunner over the rope. He just threw it at them. That's all that was. No, but that looked like a Stunner. If you take if, off- if you take the rope away, John, if you Photoshop the ropes away. That's Doink doing a stunner. It was the pie face crusher. <laughs> I st- stole my move from a clown. <laughs> it was old um, Doc Hendricks who came up with it, wasn't it? <laughs> to to use his to randomly use his mid nineties name. It was handsome well, Doc Hendricks, wasn't it? That came up with the stunner. Well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because Jimmy Jam Garvin was actually using that move in ninety four in WCW. Oh. They called it the 911 for some reason. Because you'd call the fire brigade after? Yeah. So, you know, it was, um, you know, it had to be Hazy pulling that off on DDP eventually. Because mm. DDP was friends with the Freebirds. And... Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah. so there's your connection. There you go. There you speaking go. Of, well, speaking of stars of future days, see what I'm doing with these segues here? Mate, you are a, a segue champion today. I'm, I applaud it. We have the first ever raw vignette of a rather interesting couple that one of them will see stratospheric heights in WWE. The other will leave disgustedly in a year and a half. But for now, they're a golden couple with potential. They are Skip and Sonny, the Body Donnas. In my notes, I've written written Skip and Sonny looking happy and healthy. Yes. That's so the, that was my, my thought on that. I was like, oh, look at him. The vignette is them peering through a TV screen as if they could see you, the viewer at home. They're breaking the fourth wall here. The TV is a Zony brand, not Sony, <laughs> Zony. <laughs> because uh, I was like, we can't make fun of Sony. They might sponsor us one day. No, they won't, Vince. <laughs> Sony have got much better things to do. <laughs> so they're mocking the fat people who watch Raw. So like, like, oh, look at him. Look at that heifer over there. Yeah, look at her. Because yeah, you, you see their fitness gurus. They're not prima donnas. They're body donnas. Skip and Sunny claim genetic They claim genetic perfection. Now, I got to say, if they if they had better names, if he, if he wasn't called freaking Skip, this could have had some legs. I think the moment they cut away, 
uh, Vince said, oh, Skip and Sonny, it sounds like peanut butter. It's like, mate, you named them. You named them. Don't drag them this early. I mean, you won't be making fun of her name when she's you know, you, the most downloaded celebrity on AOL in 1997 or whatever it was that oh, yeah. Tammy Stitch got for you. Not at all. Not at all. Hey, this is this is a bit of part of a, a bit of a spending spree that WWF are currently on, which which they shouldn't because they are losing all the money. But they're bringing in some names. They're spending some pennies. Obviously, uh, John Paul Levesque is on the books now. Uh, also, we can add to the roster Dan Spivey. He's now on the books looking to get the ring name Waylon Mercy when he turns up. We'll park that for a bit. I can't wait for those vignettes. Jim Ross was having a lovely conversation with Johnny Ace, who wants to come in along. And of course, Jim Ross wants to bring in Steve Dr. Death Williams with him as well, because Jim Ross. Well, you see what happened was Jim Ross contacted Johnny Ace and he says, can I have your job? <laughs> and Jim Ross went, no, it'll never happen for 10 years. I'm sure. That'll be the day, partner. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Rad Radford has debuted on the Action Zone, a.k.a. Louis Spicoli. Now, one of my favorite stories about that hire, and, and this is in no disrespect to Louis Spicoli, who is a tremendously underrated wrestler. Mm-hmm. But, but there was a six-man tag at when Worlds Collide that had Rey Mysterio in it, and Louis was in the match when he was known as Madonna's boyfriend. That was, that was his actual stage name. There's all, all this great lucha action going on, and, and, and reportedly... Vince saw the match when, when trying to figure out who he wanted to hire and down the line. And then anyone he wanted to hire out of that group was Louie. Not Rey Mysterio. Vince is weird. Isn't he? <laughs> I mean, weird, isn't he? Uh, uh, I'm not talking bad about Louie at all. Louie was very, very good. But Rey Mysterio is otherworldly, especially in 1995. How funny. But it's that thing. Like, it's just Vince's eye for talent is it, it's so odd. Like when he, when he gets it, he nails it. But, not always. Not always, not always. Mm-hmm. Like to look at that, like if you're just looking at that on face value, which I'm sure Vince would have been, mm-hmm. to see Louis Piccoli again, not to do disrespect, but to see Louis Piccoli as the standout in that was strange. But good character I, work, yeah. And a fine and a fine technician for a heavier guy, but Rey Mysterio in his prime. Come on, <laughs> so weird, so weird. But yeah, lots of um. Lots of purchases for the WWF at this time. Well, you need, you, need, you need fresh bodies. You need to get rid of some of these stragglers who have been here forever and aren't doing anything like the Drosies and the Mantars. They're not getting any traction. The Eli and Jacob Blue, who we haven't seen in God knows how long. Well done. Just in, 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 out with the bland and in with... Out with the bland and also out with the blue. We get a Bam Bam Bigelow interview and this is... Oh, this segment. Oh, wow. This was five minutes of a guy going, yeah, I've been shit lately. <laughs> you know what this was? The, this was, you guys can't bury me. I can bury myself. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, this is just, uh, this is amazing. I got to get through this point by point here. He says shoving LT was a big mistake, but he doesn't add because I got my ass kicked as a result which is what he should have done just to really hammer this thing home. He, he, he says LT was at the Rumble to have a good time because that's what the, that's what the new generation is all about. Having a good time. It's like he's, he's, he's wallowing in self pity here. And yeah, he's putting over the company line. 
That's how you know this is authentic. I'm having a great time. Anyway, let me carry on telling you how much I've lost lately. <laughs> that was a special advertising section of this promo. <laughs> so, I talked about how LT and Diesel kicked his ass fair and square. But he says that his future in the WBF is going to be is going to burn bigger and brighter, or not. But it can't do any worse by the sounds <laughs> of it. Hey, things are, this this is basically a Bam Bam Bigelow promo, which is the, the 1995 equivalent of everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> it's just Bigelow going, "Hey, I pushed the football player, and it turns out he was really good, and then he beat me, and then I got kicked out of with my mates." And then I lost to Diesel. But hey, things are going to get better. <laughs> they can't get much worse, mate. <laughs> it, 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 it's borderline <laughs> faux optimism here. And, I, and then but by the time this is getting around, I'm like, who the hell is he talking to? He's looking off camera at somebody. Oh, they love the sort of, sort of soft focus, whimsical... Promos. I've they've they've done a few of these like Lex Luger and Bret Hart and that, and they mm. love them. They look like something out of a Chicago music video, but I really like them. But he's gonna sing Rocket Man afterward. <laughs> yeah, just shuts Yo. down. I, I'm crap at I'm crap fight LT. I'm crap. Hey, you. <laughs> no LT. Mars is no place to raise a kid. <laughs> so uh, Bigelow, when um, you're gonna get better soon. And I think it's going to be a long, long time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All of this jumping, I don't understand. (laughs) Just my job five days a week. (sighs) So next week it's going to be Bigelow versus IRS. (laughs) For God's sake! (laughs) As the comeback trail begins. (laughs) I'm not the man they think I am at home. <laughs> Send me to New Japan. And I'm going to be bored. <laughs> like the rest of the fans by then. <laughs> so, and then Vince says that adds a Bigelow hope will hopefully abolish IRS. Because Vince hates paying taxes. Jesus Christ. Now, away from the the, the the doldrums of that whole Rocket Bigelow bit, I like the idea of him going, right, I need to get better. And in order to do that, I've got to I've got to destroy the million dollar corporation. So on the on the out, like looking at this as a linear timeline thing, the idea of going, okay, so Bigelow versus the million dollar corporation, Bigelow's gonna run through them all now. That's all right as a story. He doesn't end up doing it, but on the outset, Bigelow going after the corporation is all right. It's all right. Well, it makes sense that they throw him out. Now he's going to burn the corporation down. Exactly. He's a movie star this week as well. Do you know this? Is this Major Pain? Major Pain. That's right. He plays a biker in Major Pain. It it, it opened in theaters on this particular day. Damon Wayans. It's a remake. It's, it, it, do you know what? I looked him up on air and he does look, he, he, that's a good role for him. Plays it very well. Did you see, I've not seen Major Pain though. Have you seen Major Pain? Years ago, it was, it was, it was Damon Wayne's playing a drill instructor. Mm. Trying to you know, get, get some kids right. And it, it was like a pseudo kids movie, but it wasn't really a kids movie, if you get my drift. It's a loose remake of a film, do you know? 
Full Metal Jacket? No. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Uh, apparently, according to Wikipedia, it's a, it's a loose remake of the 1955 movie, The Private War of Major Benson, starring Charlton Heston. So Damon Wayans is playing Charlton Heston's part. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> My cold, dead hands. <laughs> Uh, good old Charlton Heston. Uh, oh my God! He's no longer Soylent Green is made from the Million Dollar Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that Big Low next week will go. Yeah, I was in uh, major pain. I was a bit crap in that. Uh, nobody likes me. <laughs> and I also sustained major pain when when everyone on the roster beat me up one by one. <laughs> when they hit me with towels, a little bit of soap, like like uh, as though I were Private Pile from Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> you climb the top rope like old people. You know that, Bam Bam. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This next part, this is this is a two-parter. Oh, be... thank God! <laughs> First, we have a, an actual vignette for In Your House, hyping up Sid versus Diesel. Sid versus Diesel. And Sid's promo here is nice and icy and intense. Mm-hmm. The game we play is simple. Two men enter. One man survives. See, this is what Sid should be. Just understated and frightening. That's when Sid's at his best. Past a certain volume, you can't take him seriously. Diesel responds in the promo. But you know what? A nice effective vignette there. But then, that's not enough. We have to bring Sid out with DiBiase for a promo with Vince. (laughs) An in-ring interview. (sighs) I have some questions about this. I wish we're about to discuss Okay, Justin, not looking very happy about this one. You can't see it on the on the screen. So, um, with this promo, um, I, I I have a question as well. But let's but let's talk through it, and when we get to it, we'll get to it. Okay. 
I think so my, question, my question is more of an insult than a question. I have no question. One of the situations we just insulted for like 30 seconds unabated. <laughs> so DiBiase does a pretty good job of trying to retcon some stuff here. Tom Toma how the plot to bring he he suggested Sid to Sean. There was all this big setup to have Sid usurp him as a top heel and be the crown jewel of the corporation. Which my question is, if Diesel were that much of a badass, shouldn't Sid have made sure Sean won that match so that he could turn on Sean and beat Sean for the belt? My question more than anything is like if Ted DiBiase is truly the master of all puppets and the the cleverest man in wrestling for orchestrating this whole thing mm-hmm. why is his group so shit like if he's the cleverest man in wrestling why is he why is he gone aha i can control what kevin nash and Shawn michaels do meanwhile this other strand of the business he's giving nikolai volkov three grand a week to turn up like how are you so inconsistent ted <laughs> It's uh, not a very fearsome group outside of Sid, and maybe come. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if they just if they just hit the just hit the switch and reset everything, and had Sid come out to join the Million Dollar Corporation, and then just these bunch of flipping yahoos all around the ring to Tonka, Volkov, Karma. Sid just batters them all, and that's the last we ever see of them. And Ted's like, I'm just managing him. Sod the sod the rest of you. We're not trying to turn Sid face here. You're trying to keep him a heel. <laughs> I mean, that is true. That'd make him the most over face you've ever known. <laughs> so, so while DiBiase is explaining, you know, his master plan, crowd, the, the, the crowd latently chants for Diesel, and Vince marks out going, Do you hear this? <laughs> this is like, because he's so happy that people are cheering, cheering for Diesel. Like, like everyone, listen. It's like, well, We'll get the Camry 95 in a, in a bit, but it was like when they were chanting ECW during, during the, the tournament final. Vince thought it was like a, a positive encouragement for Vega. Like, listen to this. And then they changed the subject as quickly as they possibly could. They're chanting easy dub. Like, this will be an easy match for Savio Vega. <laughs> I was chanting easy dub. <laughs> I was chanting boo Vega. <laughs> so didn't boo vegas sing mambo number five <laughs> i just realized that i made a perfect um mistake in my uh, notes here because dibiase at, at the end in concluding his remarks says they're going to put diesel into a rest home hmm. now i made a mistake here and i put they're going to put diesel into a rest hold for you slip my apologies but more accurate <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we don't threaten that though. <laughs> Put you in a chin lock. <laughs> Depends who's doing the chin lock. If it's Yokozuna, we're gonna take the crowd out of the match. They stop cheering for you. <laughs> buy it on buy us on pay per view because Sid's gonna put Diesel in a headlock <laughs> in your rest hold. It's no Edge Strangler Lewis, but we'll take it. <laughs> so now this next part, <laughs> right? Christ, I googled this, mate. Me too. I did my best to research this and figure out what the hell he was talking about. Now, there could be some merit to this, but I think he may have gotten the name wrong here. Because Sid starts talking talking about the greatest predatorial lion in in the history of Africa. 
and he says the name, and the name appears to be E.Y. Tamila. Now, he, he, he very well could have said it wrong. He could be making stuff up. I don't know. It's such a specific thing to make up, though. <laughs> I know. I, I looked it up. Nothing similar came up at all. Like nothing about like uh, a famed lion that you know roared the you know patrolled the landscape and, and, and was a dominant alpha male. Nothing like that. I I, I looked up known lions on Wikipedia. <laughs> I looked up fictional lions. He's talking about a Lion King character I'd forgotten about. Nothing. I looked up five different raw reviews from other people, including Scott Keith. None of them, some just gloss over it entirely. And some talk about, and some make sure to know, I don't even know what Sid's talking about. I looked it up. So what the hell was Sid talking about here? If you, if you out there have an answer, please satisfy my curiosity and let me know. And perhaps and if Tom's curious, let him know. I'm desperate to know because I did exactly the same as you. I and I even thought maybe we've got the, maybe we've got the spelling wrong. So I went back and watched Raw with the closed captions on. Okay. And even when they got to that bit, it just said, it just said like unintelligible. Or so like even the person doing the closed captions on the network went, nah, I ain't got Scooby-Doo what he's talking about. Oh, thank God. Cause I, I feel better knowing that it's not just me that couldn't figure out. No one. No, I hadn't got a clue. I got, to, I got to a point where it's like Tamala means is an African word for dark tree. And I got that much. Um, mm. I, I also decided that if I was to have a pub quiz and I could have either mm. either Aslan or Mufasa on my team, I'd probably pick Mufasa for the world smarts rather than the actual smarts. Sid like Frank Zappa, he speaks in riddles. <laughs> so, as, so Sid continues the yell rant, which which is his, um, his motif. And, and, and we come to the single greatest moment in this entire show. <laughs> A man in the front row shaking his head disgustedly and making a face. I was that man during this segment. <laughs> He's like thinking, when I go home, I'm going to go through my encyclopedias and try and find the name of that lion. Because we didn't have Wikipedia in 95. We, we had giant books on our shelf. When I go home, I'm going to boot up Microsoft in Carter and see <laughs> if I can find... No, I don't want to do the quiz with the Jesper. I want to just look up the name of the animal. 1995 was a different time, people. It really was. God, you don't know how lucky you got it with the power of the internet on your fingertips. If I wanted to know something, I had to hope it was on Encarta. So they can figure out what anything talking, what anything means, except what Sib is talking about. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever been Google stumped doing this podcast. <laughs> I, I tried my Sid babble fish. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so Sid keeps making threats. He, he says, I am the man that rules the world with with bug eyes, and that's that. Sid's made his point. He didn't make it well, but he made his point. When he keeps it simple, he's very good. What was this then? <laughs> Overly complicated. Like, <laughs> that nonsense about, like, I mean, the top predator and all this stuff. It's like, you don't need any of that. You fucking said. <laughs> you <Yeah>. said, vicious. <laughs> when you have half the brain that Nash does, you shouldn't try to be cerebral. <laughs> yeah. hey, do you know what? It says something that five years from now, Sid and Nash will have promo time and it'll make more sense. No, it won't. 
<laughs> at least I knew what Sid meant when he said I've got half the brain you do. At least at least you can decipher what he meant by that. You did, but Sid didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> but this, like, oh, I'm like E.Y. Tamala, the most famous African lion ever that nobody <laughs> knows exists. I wonder whether he was told it as a joke. He got hit. He bumped his head on that pipe while he was walking, walking down the aisle way because he's so tall. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a Fuji rib, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> he was there. We'll see hey, him in go, a bit. He was. He was. Maybe go, hey. Sid, go out there and talk about the most famous African lion, E.Y. Tamala. <laughs> so Fuji's to blame. It's always Fuji. It's always Fuji. Now we come to the second match of the show. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Hakushi versus Gary Scott. Mm. Gary in some gorgeous blue, red, and white tights with stars. And the 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 only thing I can find that corresponds to this pattern is the flag of the Philippines. So I don't know whether he's representing the Philippines. Or did he just grab what was ever whatever was in the gimmick box? I think just the lost property. Yeah, he's been in the lost property bin. He's in the lost property bin. <laughs> They'll do. I think Omaha might be the jobber capital of the United States. <laughs> Especially after last week's uh, montage of outfits. They grow them all in big fields outside of town. John, field of jobbers. Field of jobbers. If if you build it, they will lose. <laughs> and Vince turning up in a wagon, loading up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good crop this year. And the outwalk shoeless Lance Von Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for field of jobbers. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Just brawler and Dwayne Gill emerging through the corn stalks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take them. <laughs> You're a tag team now. Here's your clothes. <laughs> so Hakushi and Shinji were allegedly in Calgary last week. I don't think this ever went anywhere, this particular angle. No, I don't I don't remember seeing any bits. I thought it might have been nice to have had like Hakushi go down to the heart dungeon and choke out Stu or something. That'd have been fun. Or Bruce teach him how to hit Brett in the nuts. <laughs> Try and recruit Bruce. I like you're fighting Brett? Sure, sure I'll help you. <laughs> Can I be a tag partner? It's not a tag match, Bruce. Yeah, but please. Can I hit him with a hammer, please? Can I just be there? <laughs> Some nifty wrestling from Hakushi early on. Scott gets a crossbody for two. Vince compares Hakushi and Lawler since they're both wrestling Brett on Sunday. And he calls their styles in the ring diverse. <laughs> He's not wrong. Hakushi <laughs> and Lawler do not wrestle alike at all. No, because I like Hakushi. Whereas Jerry Lawler's going, I'm going to give him five pile drivers. <laughs> Are you saying Lawler can't do a springboard shoulder block? Do you know what? I don't think I've ever seen him try. Um... I feel like it, I feel like if he was if he was going to do one, he'd take the shoulder strap down first. Of course, because he it projects power. It, it, it enhances <laughs> the power of a move to not have the clothes in the way. I mean, if I was a wrestler, I'd just take the straps down from the very beginning. It gives him more range of motion to move the arm around. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Hakushi hits a gourd buster, and Vince acts like acts like it's this exact move. What was that? <laughs> it's, it's a move Arn has used for ten years. Everything Harkushi's doing is exotic wrestling compared to what what maneuver. It's a lockup. It's yeah. It, it everything he's doing is special, and that's why I love him. 
He's stat like same as like where he's I love Adam Bomb. Like he stands out from the roster. You're gonna stand out moves. Hakuji busts out a move that I don't think I've ever seen anybody else ever do in WWF. A torture abdominal stretch. That was nice. Not just a regular abdominal stretch where you, where you, where you hook the leg, you fold the guy over the one side, and you pull back. No, he put his one one hand on the on Gary Scott's face, and the other hand on his on his rib cage, and pushed downward while he stretched him. Like <laughs> twisted and broke it, and oh, it was it's, very cool. It was very but, very cool. I thought I was watching someone play Fire Pro on Twitch. <laughs> and then he finished, finished with this fall to springboard splash. Nice little squash for Hakushi just to establish that he's going to be, he's gunning for bread on Sunday. I liked it for what it was. It's Hakushi. How can you not love it? Hakushi's great. Like, it's tremendous. I love the springboard. It was really nice. Really, really, really nice. <laughs> he has like a low center of gravity, yet he just glides. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually... It's, it's impressive. So then we get the in your house report, the final one before for Sunday show. Just run it down real fast. You got Diesel versus Sid. We get this really bad, intense close-up promo from Kevin Nash. It starts out close to his face, like he's um um. I don't know how to describe it. It's like this, this big Olmec head fill on the screen. He's just, you're a big boy, but he, like it's he's just trying to be you know intense and sharp, and but it's he's still doing their thing and it doesn't really work it's 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 i hate this diesel it's not his fault oh he just imagine they let him off the chain imagine wait a year oh nearly there nearly there like a year is too late in it though like this is the diesel we needed now i'm saying a year when he leaves and gets to be himself <laughs> Once he gets free of all that, without mm-hmm. a doubt, uh, without a doubt, we get Brett's two match, uh, two match run here versus Hakushi and versus Lawler. I like how for the graphic for each match, they reverse Brett. So in, in in the shot with Hakushi, he has his arms full but facing away from Hakushi. The one for Lawler, they turn around so he's now facing Lawler. <laughs> It's like a math equation. Hakushi is less than Jerry Lawler. It's it's <laughs> it's good. I like it. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> Razor versus Jarrett and Rhodey in a handicap match. And this is what Pettengill says, and, and, and I've raised an eyebrow here. No one's ever seen the Rhodey wrestle. Legally, that is. Uh well, he's he's jumped in, isn't he? He's got he's got a <laughs> That's what I figure he meant. Mm. But I'm thinking, like, does he do like like Illegal underground fights in like a, a strip club <laughs> or something that <laughs> no one's what no one's in him wrestle legally because he's only paid for your matches available on Napster. <laughs> he killed Meatloaf with a tire iron. <laughs> 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 oh, you didn't know by the dashboard light. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you sound like goofy then? <laughs> oh, I thought I'm, 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 I killed them. <laughs> I'm a murderer. <laughs> it's the best part of the internet, Goofy. Goofy in court, a Goofy, goofy Fight Club. Oh, have you seen the Goofy in Court sketch on YouTube? No, I haven't. Oh, it's it's a real simple animation. It's about fifteen million people have watched it now. It's a real simple animation, and it's like there's just like there's been like this this <laughs> this this massive homicide case in the in, in in the and it's Goofy that's done it, and the and the judge is saying like you've been charged with. With with murder and Goofy's like, oh yeah, I did it. And the and it's and it's the conversation between Goofy 
and Goofy's um, lawyer who's saying, Goofy, listen, shut up. Shut up. Well, I did it. No, shut up. I'm trying to get you off. And you get cuts to Mickey Mouse in the stands looking livid. And it's like, you've got to, you've got to just be quiet. I'll, yeah, but I did it. <laughs> we're going to say that you, you were saying, we're going to say that you weren't sound of mind, but I'll do it again. <laughs> it's just funny. It's dark as all hell, but it's really funny. I'll send you a link when we're done. <laughs> so, so we're comparing him to the road dog here. Yes, we are. <laughs> I killed him. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Murderer. <laughs> and tag title match: Smoking Guns versus Owen and Yoko. Kingring qualifier: Adam Bomb versus Mabel. Plus a house. <laughs> I know I said every time, but plus a house. Be the last time I ever get to say it. Two special guests that turned down WWF roles uh, that I wanted to bring up here according to Dave, the Wrestling Observer. In terms of um, in your house, if I said to you, Kato Kalin, mm -hmm. would that mean anything to you? Yes, he was uh, O.J. Simpson's friend who was staying in the guest house. It was apparently, uh, I can't remember if he was there the night of the murders, but he was he, he was on the witness stand and was, and was apparently um, apparently filled with enough Xanax to uh, you know, kill a rhinoceros. Well, that makes this incredible. There are reports, according to Dave, that Kato Kalin, brackets, the ultimate house guest, turned WWF down when they tried to get him for an in-your-house skit. He was he must be hanging out at the house, I guess, and, and like just like like hey, Kato's here. Basically, yeah. Kato look, Kato looks like if it's basically if Patrick Swayze played played Orange Cassidy. <laughs> but he was meant to be doing something in your house. Well, he was offered and he went, no. Also, um, Duchess Sarah Ferguson, royalty, uh, was approached by Titan to present the crown to the winner of the King of the Ring. And she turned it down. Um, John, Sarah Ferguson presenting Mabel with the crown. Thank you. Well, she heard the booking. That's what it was. And it's like, why aren't you, why aren't you putting Sean over? <laughs> yeah. she's a big Shawn Michael she's a big Adam Bomb Mark like me <laughs> Mabel's gonna win whether I want him to or not <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's it's funny that we mentioned that because it was for the Royal Rumble over in the UK uh, some local adverts ran featuring uh, the former Royal Correspondent Jenny Bond who is a bit of a news name over here where she basically gave sort of rumble reports like mm -hmm. typing up Drew versus uh, Goldberg as, as Andrew versus William. And it was wonderful, but it very Vince McMahon because Jenny Bond hasn't done any royal corresponding for decades. She's a name. Like when she, when she came up on my Twitter feed talking mm -hmm. about the Royal Rumble, I was like, this is uh, whatever I took this morning. I need to not take again. Um, it was very odd, but very Vince McMahon that she turned up and, Obviously, I mentioned that because Sarah Ferguson was nearly at King of the Ring 1995. So it's the sort of name where it's like they show up on Dancing with the Stars or Strictly Come Dancing and you go, oh, yeah, I remember them. Oh, yes. Yeah, you go, oh, them. I remember. I remember like, oh. them being a thing. Like, oh, wow. What have they done lately? What TV movie? <laughs> what are they promoting? What? Is it a book or not? Come to the main event, which is nominally a main event. Owen Hart versus Bart Gunn. We get um <laughs> Vince somehow ties in Bob Backlund's big announcer for next week into a Duckman plug. Backlund's got announced he's really Duckman. 
And he was really <laughs> and he and he was really into that when he said it. I liked how heavy-handed it was. I, I fully support it. And then Lawler said, that's not funny. And he's right. <laughs> Very rarely is Lawler right. <laughs> he was right in that instance. <laughs> no Yoko here, but we do have Billy Gunn here for Bart. Bart Gunn, being years ahead of his time, creates his own distraction by distracting himself with Fuji and Cornette and gets hit from behind. <laughs> that's called taking initiative. Well done, Bart. Well done, mate. It's a decent little match here. Bart gets a, t- a twist and cross body. He's doing a spot where he has Owen on the mat, and he has his arm pinned in like in the hammerlock position with using his own legs. It's a spot where you fall backwards in order to wrench the arm, in order to cause more pain. But as Bart keeps falling backwards, Owen's arm isn't moving. So he, he's basically he's just doing ass bumps for no reason while Owen lays there. <laughs> I mean, I admire the commitment to it. Oh, he tried. I said there was one, there was outside of Owen and Bart who had themselves a serviceable main event. There was one particular moment for me in this match, which I'm excited for you to get to. Are we referring to a maneuver or referring to a commentary line? Um, a maneuver. Okay. Well, but not from, not from a wrestler. Okay. Um, well, let's see here. I see, I see, I see where Fuji trips Bart. Owen takes over at that point. Owen hits the Owen Zugiri. We go to break. Come back. Cornet interferes to block a super kick. Make sure I haven't missed it yet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A superplex, I should say. Not a super kick. I'm, got, right. I'm all over the place. Superplex. Okay. Yes. As they're on the top rope, the ref sees Fuji trying to get involved in the side corner. And mm. you watch. You watch the ref. Darts across the ring and power slides towards Fuji. Does a proper rock power slide and and just stops perfectly next to Fuji and just launches into whatever he was going to do. Oh, wow. Highlight of the match for me, watching that beautiful power slide from the ref. I must now rewatch this to see that because I do not remember. It's the best part of the match for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that power slide was an ace. I think I was enjoying my dinner too much at that point to pay attention <laughs> to, to nuance. <laughs> I don't blame you, to be fair. So Cornette blocks, I think he hooks Owen to block the superplex, so Bart falls to the mat. Owen sits up on the top rope, then Billy crotches him. Owen nuts himself, gets up, he's hurt, he's yelling at Billy, Bart rolls him up for the win. This was a fine match. But what I thought was interesting is when Bart was in control early on, Vince speculated that perhaps Bart's a better singles competitor than Owen Hart, which is laughable because Owen's beaten Brett before. He won the King of the Ring tournament. Bart never wrestles singles matches. He's just a tag guy who happens to be wrestling a guy who's come into the tag team division. Then when Bart wins, even though it's tainted, I mean, it was double interference, but whatever. It's what's what's good for the goose and all that. Vince is now yelling, Bart proved his superiority in singles competition. Like, we're desperate to get Bart gun over as a single star, apparently. What does Vince know that we don't? Why are we we suddenly on the Bart gun train? It's going to be a boxing tournament in a few years. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to get hurt. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is, isn't it? He, he knows that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's premonition. So, I mean, it was a fine match, but Bart being superior, like no one, even 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 if you like a Smoking Guns fan. I think if you I'm... asked Bart Gunn, <laughs> Bart Gunn would say I'm not superior. No, it's, I mean, it's, 
you say you said like you know i need to try to make the guns like a threat which okay i get that just gotta be a better way to say it though yeah you do it as a way that like you know this is the last you know you see it as well bart gun has taken a moral victory over owen hart and yokozuna like you've you've rocked <laughs> their confidence going into the match Could the guns have the psychological edge going into end your house this sunday boom that's it that's it they have the psychological advantage you know mm-hmm. they've Owens proved that he's beatable. Guns proved that he's capable. Done. Mm-hmm. If you're there clever, you if you're clever, you can do it in a way that doesn't call into question whether Bart Gun is 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 a technical mastermind, which he's not. You know what Vince needed? Someone Vince else on commentary. Well, Vince needed Vince on headset to rein him in. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Vince. Okay, Vince. <laughs> I should have a, a pay to see that match. <laughs> Vince versus Id. <laughs> <laughs> so then Todd, we get Todd. Grish, uh, I almost said Todd Christian and Stephanie McMahon, but this is actually worse. We get Todd <laughs> Patton Kill and Stephanie Wine visiting the house. The house was apparently devalued uh, moments after they left the property. <laughs> Where did they got there? <laughs> they pulled up in the driveway. They were marking out over the automatic garage door. Oh, God. They were marking out over the kitchenware, over mm. the fact that there is a, a shelf. <laughs> Just very excited to see a house. I presume they live in apartments, these two. And they've never seen a house before. Like, I can see Todd going to a restaurant. Plates. Holy shit. Who won the lottery? <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of the cupboard going, look at me, son. I'm a millionaire. Oh, Dad, you look like James Bond. Well, Mr. Fancy Pants and your paper napkins. (laughs) Hey, hi, living tonight. (laughs) Oh, a garage. That's what you call it. What is it then? A car hole. (laughs) Todd's standing on the the kitchen counter. Wine tells him to get down. (laughs) It it occurred to me that with sunglasses and his hair up, Todd, Todd looks like a discount Ace Ventura. He does, doesn't he? I reckon that was a fancy dress costume. <laughs> I think he did in the nineties. I think he went as as uh, as a, as a slightly more annoying Ace Ventura. He's Deuce Benino. <laughs> <laughs> On the subject of Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. real life question. Yes. Last week we watched The Cable Guy. Right. Is yes. that considered one of Jim's worst films? Because I really liked it. It's. It was a misunderstood film because. I understand in 94, he had three really funny movies in Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. Mm. That may have been the greatest one-year run for any comic actor ever in terms of theatrical releases. Mm. And that's still hard to top. So then he does Batman Forever, which sucked, but he was fine in it. Mm. And he was the Riddler, a role he was kind of born to play. So then he does this really dark comedy where he's not, like, he's mugging, but he's demented. He's not a good guy. It's It's... It, it was it was a departure from what fans were expecting. Like liar, liar was more back toward the, the Jim Carrey they knew, even though it was more of like a you know a, a, a moral to the story kind of comedy. Mm. But like Kill Guy, like it was seen at the time as being a misfire. But yeah, you had the people out there saying like, it's genius. You just don't get it. Mm. And I'm I'm kind of of that camp. But it'd be like it's like when Metallica would just did metal and metal and thrash metal and heavy metal, and all of a sudden they'd release a blues rock album called load yeah you're gonna you're gonna either like it or you're gonna go this is this isn't what it's like what it's like what is this this is like, why i like them you appreciate it more as time goes on 
Mm. I thought he jumped the shark a little bit at the end, but the fight like, yeah, the, the the stuff in the satellite dish. I think we can spoil it. The stuff in the satellite dish and all that stuff. I think it jumped yeah. the shark a bit there, but all like the psychological stuff. The whole idea of this guy like wanted to be his mate and 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 like the, the darkness there and like how you're how emotionally you go back and forth between like going Jim like uh, uh, this guy's this guy's ridiculous. Jim Carrey's ridiculous in this like why would you go near him to feeling sympathy for him to thinking, wow, Matthew Broderick's being a bit of an ass here. So like you, you move around in your head as you watch it. And I really liked it for that. Like they kept me guessing as to like, like there were, there were points where I was fully behind like Kerry and there were points where I was behind Broderick and I, I really enjoyed it. And then I've, I've since found out that quite a few people see it as, as you rightly said there, a misfire. And I thought it was really good. If you change the order of his releases in his career and you put this further down the line, I think people would have appreciated it a lot more. It'll be seen more as a, as a seminal piece as opposed to a, a, a drop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like if um, if Robin Williams had released like one hour photo back in the eighties when he was like a, a comic genius, mm. it it'd been a little bit flatter. I think it's like well, we want to laugh at Robin Williams, not be horrified by him. We had the, we had that when um, many years ago, me and the family were on a holiday in Florida and mm. it, the weather was going to be bad that day. So we said, let's go to the cinema. And we went, hey, it's a Robin Williams film. That's always good. We'll all go see that. Never heard of it before because it's not come out in New England yet. But let's go see it. It's a Robin Williams film. It's going to be funny. What dreams may come. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> wow. that bummed out our vacation was it still funnier than Popeye oh yeah of course it was <laughs> I did more belly laughs in Popeye <laughs> he's dead um, as Rob Williams once said of Popeye if, if you watch it backwards it has a plot <laughs> <laughs> it starts with Bluto swimming towards them <laughs> So after all that fun, uh, we, we, <laughs> are we still we talking about to... what dreams may come? <laughs> We're talking about what bad pay-per-views may come. Oh God, there is one coming. <laughs> we, we, we get one last shot of the green screen at ringside with them sitting in front of the uh, of the fake crowd. <laughs> we, we recap Brett accepting the challenge from a week ago from Lawler for in your house, and Lawler drops a bombshell. He's bringing his mother to the to in your house to be in his corner because it's Mother's Day. That's the final sell for this pay-per-view. Well, Let's, he does. That is that is the final thing that they, they push. Not Diesel and Sid, not the IC title match, not even win a house. The last thing is Jerry Lawler going, my mum's coming with me. $14.95, it's cheaper than gas. Get it. <laughs> Because it's 1995, that's not true now. <laughs> not anymore, no. It's, no, the hell it ain't. The, that would pay for the gas to get me to the station. <laughs> Simplify, yeah. man. <laughs> so that was the go home, go house show for the first in your house. Gosh, that was a that was a trip. I'm 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 eagerly anticipating getting together with you in, a, in two weeks and watching in your house because I can't make head or tail of how I'm meant to feel about this show. I hope you don't spend your vacation thing in, in anticipation like uh, 10 more days. Oh, nine more oh. days. It's, just enjoy I your vacation. Mark it on my calendar. 
<laughs> Justin and Sam with a skull and crossbones. <laughs> <laughs> like, welcome back to work. <laughs> yeah, bastard. <laughs> Stop sleeping. Wake up. Get back to work. The clean sleep was only temporary. Oh, Buddy Donners was a highlight. Seeing them in their brief little promo, looking yeah. so healthy and full of vigor. It's nice to see. That and some, and some decent in-ring action on this show for the most part. Nothing offensive or bad. It was all right. So those are the pauses, but beyond that, it's um, it's like, is that an iceberg? You oh, see a tip no. of something over, over the horizon there. Is it a new generation iceberg? Trouble brewing. Oh, Jesus Christ. We are back in two weeks for a Cultaholic classic in your house watch along. Justin Henry, Sam Driver, and myself all getting together to watch some mid-90s wrestling bollocks. Yeah, bollocks. That'll be in two weeks' time from today. Uh, have yourselves an amazing time until we speak then. And until we do speak then, he is at JRA Trotting on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. <laughs> we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Seriously, EY Tamala, if you know, tell us for is what and, and could they take Mufasa in a fight? Love you, bye! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 